0: Bob reading where are you at this morning are you here come here for a second Bob's Bob you just come and go don't you brother you're just all over the place I think that'll come on Bob's just getting back from a tour to Colombia. 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 Say it one more time Colombia. Colombia. Is that on? It's coming on. Yeah, it's coming on. What were you doing in Colombia?
1: I was with Samaritan's Purse. We were helping the uh, Venezuelan refugees coming out of Venezuela into Colombia.
0: Yeah. Bob texted me the other night and he said he was on a conference call with Franklin Graham and, and uh, Vice President Pence and ask if this morning that we would pray specifically for Venezuela. We're gonna add Haiti to that list, um, and also Nicaragua because they're all tied together in some type of a way. Um, Bob, what was the basis of that conversation and why um, did they specifically want us praying today? What's going on?
1: Well, first of all, I wasn't the only one on that call. There were a lot of people on that call. I don't want you to think that I Um, have these conversations with um, the vice president. You
0: didn't have to say that. (laughs) It looked really good. It was sounding yeah, yeah. really good. Yeah, no, no. It was just you, Frank, <laughs> you know.
1: Well, the, uh, the Vice President actually asked Franklin Graham um, to be on the, to invite people to be on the call just to thank us for the week work we were doing in, in Colombia for the Venezuelans. He's planning to be there on uh, Monday, tomorrow. But this was a very big weekend. Uh, if you follow the news at all, uh, there's a standoff between Maduro, who is the head of the Venezuelan uh, government, so to speak, he's the military leader there, and the um, individual who is uh, saying he's the real leader in Colombia, about getting getting aid, mil- uh, both food aid and medical aid, over the border into Venezuelans, into Venezuela to support these Venezuelans who currently are starving and can't get any kind of medical uh, support. Um, so there's a standoff now so this was a very big weekend um, to see if they could get the aid through and it's still unclear whether that's going to be possible Um, so the vice president just asks everyone asks their pastors to pray this weekend because it is such an important weekend
0: we want to do that Steve Whitaker I heard you but I don't know where I've not seen you right on the front row row. (laughs) like they would say if you were a snake you would have bit me come here for a second i want steve to give us a little bit of an overview of what's going on in haiti there was a training yesterday um, for some people that go back and forth to haiti but i want steve to give us a little bit of an op- update on what's ha- what's going on in haiti because there's some challenges that are being faced right now and we want to pray for them but steve won't you give us a quick overview overview
2: sure so as you guys know that um our church is involved there uh through caribbean harvest and um you know the much like what's going on in Venezuela and, these, and Nicaragua, it's much like in Haiti. Uh, Haiti's one of the poorest countries in the southern hemisphere. So, anytime anything like this happens, it devastates people. And so, basically, what's happening there is, is the people want their president, their current president, out. So, they've taken to the streets. And um, it's kind of interesting there because they, there's a law there that says if you're going to protest, they have to notify uh, the government that they're going to protest. So <clears throat> it did give some opportunity for people to get out. I will tell you this, I spoke to a, a gentleman that um, uh, is supporting the Christian club, motorcycle club that I'm in, and he does work in Capation and they're actually concerned about the fuel for the hospital in one of the hospitals there because uh, the fuel tankers are not being able to get through. And if that doesn't take place, then people will lose their lives just because they don't have diesel fuel to run to create oxygen and things of this nature for their patients. So um, much like there, it's a political thing. And um, we're actually, we had plans to start some construction Uh, In April, we were gonna push that off a few months and let things kind of settle down. So um, guys could be praying with us about that for sure. But I I got texts from people that, (laughs) these are friends of mine.
0: That are Haitians.
2: There's Steve. I have no food and no water. So it's very difficult, you know, to sit around our tables and know that you're friends in other countries, you know, that are hurting like that. So for my Haitian friends that may be watching live today, bonjour.
0: Venezuela, Daniel. Yeah. Would you pray with us this morning? As we sit in the comforts of this building, not recognizing the struggles and the stresses that are going on all around our world today. Father, we've talked and we've sang so far about your goodness but it's hard for us to to reach our arms around your goodness in the midst of these struggles and stresses and fights and furies that are going on around our world but today we want to lift up these countries of Venezuela and Haiti and Nicaragua and these others that are struggling and within fighting and wrestling with demonstrations and and poverty with hunger and thirst and God, I'm just asking that as, that as Americans, we would not take lightly what's going on around the world, but recognizing that, that, Father, that you've given us the ability to pray, in some instances give, in other instances to go and serve. Help us to recognize the, the power of the gospel that brings hope to, into every situation, that God, that even in these times, Father, that you can be trusted. Father I pray for those in leadership father that they would make wise choices in these days father I pray for freedom for spiritual freedom father I pray for freedom from an earthly freedom that comes under the dictatorship of of those who are evil father we've heard those sayings before power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely Father, may we be reminded today of, of your power and your majesty that there is only one king who sits on the throne of this earth, and it's you. And today, may we hear your voice. Father, may we reach out in prayers and petition on behalf of our brothers and sisters around the world that may be undergoing these difficult times. Father, may we rescue them as you've rescued many others before. And may they know without a shadow of a doubt that in the midst of that, that it, it was God who did it. And may they cry out to you. And may they honor you and may they give thanks because of your goodness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, bro. Why would Steve get choked up talking about something going on in Haiti, because he cares, because he loves them, because he has friends that's going through a difficult time. May our hearts be broken, and may we understand that you don't have to go to Haiti to see people that are hurting and suffering, but they're your next-door neighbor. They work alongside you in the workplace. They even come to church and sit beside you. And sometimes you don't even recognize. We don't even recognize the pains because we don't take the time to get to know them. Wow! Thank you, brother. Um, last week we began, and we started talking about the beginning of a series called Real God. And um, we said last week, for us to get to know Him, we have to pursue Him. We have to to seek after Him. And uh, we said also last week that it's very easy for our view of God to become distorted because of our humanity, because of our sinfulness. And we said also that God reveals himself through nature, through his word, and through his son. But let me say this, if you're a believer, I promise you at some point in time, you have stood at the crossroads of your life. You've stood at the crossroads and you have questioned um, your faith, you have wondered whether or not um, God was in the midst of that, and you have struggled to make the right choice. Is there anybody in here that, 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 that is, a, that is a, f- a follower of Jesus Christ that at some point in time, after making that decision to follow Christ, has not wrestled with your faith? Anybody? It is an ongoing issue An ongoing issue, and your faith will be challenged. It's not faith until it's challenged. There will come times when your faith will be put to the test, and how will you respond? There will be battles. I promise you, there will be battles, and there will be consistent battles, and there will be barriers that compete for our heart. But let me tell you something there is a breakthrough that happens that comes when you you get to that place in your life that you believe that God is good and that he is for us. When you're at that place that you say, God, even whatever it may be that I'm facing, I surrender it all to you. And it's at that place that there is a channel which God can begin to flow the blessings. The best path we can ever take in life as a follower of Jesus Christ is obedience to him and his commands and the instructions, believing that what God has given us through his word is good and he's out for our best interest have you ever been driving along those roads in the Carolinas or North Georgia and they've got those steep turns and you've looked over the side and you've seen the yeah and you're like thinking I hope that isn't us some of those back roads that you can get and there are no guard rails listen man God has provided for us He's provided us those commands and those instructions and they are good. And if they're good, if they're so good and we say they're good, why don't we trust in them and hold on to them? We made this statement that we found from A.W. Tozer in his book um, on the knowledge of the holy that says, what is it that comes into our mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What is it that comes into our mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. In other words, if we don't believe in the deepest parts of our soul that God is for us, man, we're going to constantly struggle. We're going to constantly waver in our trust of him. Because this is what I know. You want to talk about fear? You want to talk about anxiousness? you want to talk about wrestling, they all go back to a distorted view of who God is. I mean, listen, as believers, you can run around and say, man, I tell you what, God is good. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. And then all of a sudden, something happens. A challenge comes, the tests don't come back the way that you thought it would. Your spouse turns around and they walk out. Your kids are wrestling. And in those moments in time, if you don't really believe that God is good all the time and that all the time God is good, I'm going to tell you what you'll do, you'll turn tail and run because you'll say, where is God? And the belief that God is good is so foundational to our faith because if God isn't good, then life makes no sense. So let's talk about the defining of God's goodness and let's go back to the book of Exodus. Because God revealed himself to Moses. If you go back and if you've been walking through the gospel project well, some of you have been doing that, you're in the middle of Exodus right now and you've seen the goodness of God all the way from from the raising up of Moses and the placement of him, all the way to taking care of him in the desert and bringing him back to, to, to rescue God's people. And it wasn't just Moses, but it was the people of God that saw God do incredible things. You talk about power and you talk about provision, they experienced it. And in Psalms, chapter 103, verse seven, the scripture says he revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. You remember when he took Moses up on the mountain and he gave him the 10 commandments and then here Moses comes back down and man, the people got antsy. And they were down on the ground building a, a what? An idol, an idol. I mean, couldn't after all they had seen and all they had experienced, don't you think they could have been a little bit more patient to what God was doing? But no, there's some interactions that take place. And listen, if you haven't read Exodus chapter 33 and 34, you need to go back and read it because there's some really good stuff in there. But here it is, they get down to a place and Moses is basically saying, listen, God, if you don't go with us, I know where you want us to go, but if you don't, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. I don't want to go anywhere without you. God says, listen, he said, I'm going to send an angel to drive out the enemies. <laughs> Moses said, listen, if you don't go, I don't want to go. There's a really funny part in there that God said, listen, if I, I'm not going to go with you because if I go with you, I'm going to kill them all because they're all stubborn and rebellious. You go back and read it. So after that point in time, Moses goes outside of the camp and he goes to the tent of meeting, which was a place where he would go and meet God that was outside the campment that they had. And it was there that Moses has an encounter, this conversation with the Lord. And he says, Lord, look, I know you look favorably on us because we're your people. But he says, listen, it's because of your presence with us that separates us from everybody else. And then Moses makes a request. And this is what he said. The request that he says is, Lord, show me your glory. There in verse 18 in in Exodus he says, Lord, show me your glorious presence. In other words, Lord, let me see you face to face. Let me see you. I want to see you. No one could see God and live, but Moses is seeking after the Lord. And the Lord gives him a promise there in verse, in verse 19. And the promise was, listen, I, want, I will make all of my goodness, all of my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone that I choose. And it's interesting that of all the things that God could have demonstrated or God could have shown Moses, he says, I want to show you my goodness. I want to show you my goodness. Not my holiness, not my power, not my majesty, but I want to show you my goodness. Theologian J.I. Packer said this. He said, at the center of goodness is the generosity of God. And then he goes on to make this statement. Within the cluster of God's moral perfections, there is one in particular to which the term goodness points, the quality which God specifically singled out from the whole when proclaiming all of his goodness to Moses. He spoke of himself as an abundant in goodness and in truth. It's what it says in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. And this is the quality of generosity. And then listen to the next statement. Generosity expresses the simple wish that others should have what they need to make them happy. So let me simplify this for you. What he's saying, if God is good, and if God is good all the time, then we have everything that we need to be happy. That's what he's saying. He said, listen, if, if God is good, and if God is good all the time, then we have everything that we need to be happy. Now, we, we know this. I mean, what are some of the things that the world tells you that you need to be happy? Well, listen, you just need a little bit bigger house. Your, your yard just needs to look just a little bit better so that you can keep up with the neighbors over here. Your kids need to be on a special team so that they can be elevated in the world's eyes. You need to have so many friends on Facebook. You need to have that certain degree or you need to hold that specific position. And the list just goes on and on. And the world says, listen, if you'll acquire that stuff, you'll be happy. What is it they say about boats? Steve Painter, you know this. The best day of a boat owner is the first day he buys it and the day that he sells it. Why do you think that is? Because everything that this world offers us is, not, is only temporary and it's not lasting. But God says, listen, if you want to experience happiness, if you want to experience contentment, if you want to experience peace, then follow me, worship me, spend time with me, and happiness will flow from those encounters. How much time do you spend seeking after the Lord? Or is this your only experience? Throughout the week. When is it that you have a a time set aside in your day? Not just planning to say something, but you're just seeking and longing to hear the voice of the Father. AW Tozer said, The goodness of God is that which disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of goodwill towards men. He's tender-hearted. And quick sympathy. By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness, and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. You want to know what the scripture goes on to declare and what it has to say? Turn over to Psalms chapter eighty-four, verse eleven, and let's just see what the writer here has to say in reference to God's goodness. Psalms eighty-four, chapter eleven, says this: For the Lord God, Yahweh Adonai, the one who spoke the world into existence is our what? What does it say? He is our son. He is our unlimited source of power. And he is our what? Our shield. Our unlimited source of protection. And he goes on to say he gives us grace and glory. Man, giving us what we don't deserve. Blessing and kindness and mercy and his goodness. And then look at what the promise is. The Lord will withhold no good thing for those who do what's right. In other words, when we're seeking to to know the Lord and we're seeking to please the Lord and everything that we do, we're seeking to live for him, we can be assured that God will not withhold from us what is best for us. Even in those times when we blow it, God's there. He's for us. It's a statement of faith. It's a promise to claim. And when we believe it and hold on to it, it will change our lives. Here's my statement that I've created over the years. God, even in this, I'll trust you. I don't understand it. I can't comprehend it. It doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. Everybody around me disagrees with it. But God, if that's what you said it, I believe it because you're good. And I know that you are for me. You want to talk about sucking, sucking fear out of a circumstance? But see, that's what happens. I mean, that's, that's what happens in the midst of a circumstance. All of a sudden, everything is sucked out of us because of the fear, because we wonder, God, where are you in the midst of this? Aren't you worried? Why? Because regardless of what I may face or what I may experience, I know that God is good. But there are those times... That I wrestle, fear, and doubts. But the tool that I use to remind myself is God, regardless of what I face, I know that you're good and I know that you're for me. And I can trust you because you are trustworthy. So, how does God reveal Himself to us? Look at number one natural blessings Psalms chapter 145, verses seven to nine. Turn over to there for a second. So here is David at a place in his life. And at this place, he is reflecting on the goodness of God. And in Psalms chapter 145, verses 7 to 9, this is what he says. This is what he declares. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Uh, Circle, or... Make an underline around that word, unfailing love. It's the word hesed, which means means steadfast, loyal, devoted. And that's the description of God's love for us. Man, listen, God is always there. The Lord is good to everyone, is what it says. Who's he good to? Who does that include? Me. And the Lord is good to everyone. That includes you. He showers compassion on all of his creation. Skip up just a a few verses to to verse 16 and 17 there in that same chapter. And look at what it says. And look at the description of God. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and the thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything that he does. He's filled with kindness. Listen. When, when's the last time you've taken time, I, mean, I haven't talked to myself, when's the last time we've just taken time to get away, just to experience God's creation and to focus When's the last time you sat down and you've watched the birds? Right now, the, the bluebirds have been coming in. Have you noticed that? I don't know if you watch birds, but at my house, there'll be lots and lots of bluebirds, and they're trying to find a nest. The males will run around there trying to find a little nest, and so this is the time they come in. But I don't see them complaining and worrying. Okay, well, it's not there, so God's got to play. He'll go over here. Well, it's not there, let's go over here. But I don't see them stressed out. I don't see them having to take medications. Some of us need medications. Some of us it becomes an excuse. But the stresses, but pause. When's the last time we've paused to to take a look at God's goodness that flows from the natural blessings of the everyday life out of God's creation? God also reveals his goodness through special deliverances or specific deliverances. I want you to turn over to Psalms 107, and we want to read through this because this is really good. Psalms chapter 107. And right up front, there is a call to recognize and honor God's goodness. And look at what the writer says. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is what? His faithful love endures forever. And he goes on, and, and in the midst of this chapter, there there is a, uh, several vignettes or small stories where people find themselves in trouble, sometimes because, because of their foolishness and sinfulness, and other times just because. And in these four vignettes, what is, what is the similarity in all of them is that in each one of them, they cry out to God. And in the midst of crying out to God, in the midst of their circumstance, God delivers them. And there's a, re- a repeated phrase that you'll hear time and time again, which is let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things that he has done for them. Let's just read it just for a quick second. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. He has redeemed you. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others that he has redeemed you from your enemies. For he has gathered the exiles from many lands from the east and the west and the north and the south. And here's one of the vignettes. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless. Hungry and thirsty, they nearly died. Lord, help! They cried out in their trouble, and he rescued them from their distress, and he led them straight to safety to a city where they could live. In verse 8, what does he say? Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things that he has done for them. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Verse 10 some sat in darkness and in deepest gloom, imprisoned, here's prisoners, in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorned the counsel of the Most High. That is why He broke them with hard labor. They fell, and no one was there to help them. Lord help, they cried in their trouble, and He saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness of the deepest gloom, and He snapped their chains. In verse 15, what does it say? You can read this with me. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he broke down their prison gates of bronze and he cut apart their bars of iron. Here's the third one. Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food and they were knocking on death's door. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them, snatching them from the door of death. And in verse 21, let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. Then the fourth When some went off into the sea in ships, they were sailors. They were storm-tossed, plying the trade routes of the world. They, too, observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deepest of seas. And he spoke, and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again into the depths. Their sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards, and they were at their wit. You want to talk about being seasick? Man, isn't this a great description? Some of you have never been seasick before. Lord, Help! Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into the harbor. In verse 31, let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. And then I love verse 32. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nations. Let me tell you something. There is something about those who walk through difficult times and Maybe we can even say walk with a limp. I don't know how much you can trust somebody who is a believer and never walk through difficult times. They don't know what it's like to be in pain. But if you've ever been in pain and you've ever been in distress and God has rescued you, let me tell you something that you experience. There's there's this empathy. There is this sense of understanding that comes as a result of God's presence and is rescuing you. And you can walk into a room and it will be filled with people. And all of a sudden, it was just, it's just like they're going through something. They're going through something. And they may not even tell you anything. But you know it because you can sense it. Because there's a sensitivity that comes from those who walk with Jesus. And you come to know him and trust him in the difficult times The writer goes on to say this in 33 through 43. He says, he changes riverbeds, rivers into deserts, his springs of water into dry, thirsty land. He turns the fruitful land into salty salty wastelands because of the wicked of those who live there. But he also turns deserts into pools of water, the dry land into springs of water. He brings the hungry to settle there and to build their cities. They sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. How he blesses How he blesses them, they raise large families there. Their herds of livestock increase. When they increase in number, they become impoverished through oppression, trouble, and sorrow. The Lord pours contempt out on their princes, causing them to wander in trackless wastelands. But he rescues the poor from trouble and increases their families and their flocks of sheep. The godly will see these things and be glad, while the wicked will be struck silent. And then look at what he says in verse 43. Those who are wise... Will take these things to heart. They will see in our history, the past, the faithful love of the Lord. See, you can't always see the faithful love of the Lord in the present. You with me? Sometimes it's looking back. You got to look back to be able to see And that psalm ends, those who are wise will take all of this to heart and they will see the history, the faithful love of the Lord. Those who are wise, the Bible teaches us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. Wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom teaches us the path towards reconciliation. The best path towards reconciliation is forgiveness. The wise person says, God, I will trust you even though it doesn't make sense. Wisdom teaches us that God has established a way for relationships to work. The wise person says, I will follow God's path. The world says that there's a path that seems right, but that path leads to death. We learn in the Proverbs, trust the Lord with all of our heart, and lean not upon our own understanding, but acknowledge him in all of our ways, and he will make straight our what? Our path. Because God is good. The most profound way that God demonstrates his goodness is through his son, Jesus. Right out on the side over there, undeserved goodness. Jesus is an example of God's, of God's goodness but it's undeserved goodness. Romans chapter five, verse eight, but God demonstrated his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't demonstrate his love because we had earned it. He didn't demonstrate his love because we deserved it. He didn't didn't wait on us to get our acts together. But even while we're angry, even when we're running from God, even when we're being rebellious, even when we're being unfaithful, Jesus died for us. Jesus is not only an example of God's goodness, but I want you to to write down this. I want you to, he's also the the promise of of future benefits. Men, listen, if you want want proof of God's goodness, the past, the present, and the future, you find it in the cross. It's in the cross. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 says, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also? give us everything else. The cross is the most compelling proof that we have of God's goodness, that he has our best interest in mind. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that sort of ended like this? You show me. You prove it. Watch this video clip.
3: Most of the time, life works out just the way it's supposed to, right? But every once in a while, something bad happens, and it all gets messed up. Suddenly, it becomes hard to see what's coming, and everything gets a little scarier. And we wonder, why did God let that happen? you know what the Bible says about that? That God knows how to make good things come from bad things. You know why? Because God is good and He loves to give us good things. The Bible says He is always working in the background, working making sense of everything for those who love Him. So what do you do when life goes wrong? Do you blame God? Or will you trust him? Remember, even when things go wrong, God wants the best for us. He is always generous, kind, and caring. This is something we should never, ever forget. God, Is good.
0: So, how do you respond? I mean, how do you respond to God's goodness? And I'm going to change up the end, so don't worry about that stuff that's on your piece of paper this morning. I wrote down some other things this morning that I think is really important. But how do you respond to God's goodness? What are some ways that you can respond? Number one, maybe you're here and you never trusted the Lord because you couldn't wrap your arms around it didn't seem to make sense. You know, why is it that good people seem to, to suffer and bad people seem to prosper? doesn't change God's goodness. Remember at the beginning what we said. What is it that distorts our view of God? It's our humanity and our, our sinfulness because we don't see things as the Lord may see them. Our thoughts are not, our, his thoughts and our ways are not his ways. That's what the Bible tells us. So I think one of the first ways to respond to the Lord, if you've never trusted Him, is to repent of your unbelief and ingratitude, and receive God's gift of eternal life. It's available to you, man. It's available to you. I mean, do you believe that God is good and that and that um, He has provided a way of salvation through His Son? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if not, why? I think out of the the gate, that's the first and and, and most important decision that any one of us will ever make is coming to the place to say, Jesus, I trust you. Man, I've made a mess of my life. My life is a mess. Jesus, I recognize today, and I want to hold on to what the Scripture teaches about God's goodness and recognize that, that not only is he faithful, but he's good. He's good in every situation, and he loves me. The Bible says in in Romans chapter 2 verse 4, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Let me tell you something. It's eye-opening when all of a sudden you recognize just how good God is and how much he loves you. It's life-changing. And it's not because you earn it. It's not because of all these things that you do. It's not because of how spiritual you may be or religious you may be, but God gives us it as a free gift. No strings attached. It's the greatest gift of all. Back several years ago when Abby was just born, she was a year old, I got a phone call and I still remember where I was standing at and the person said on the line, they said, Sid, can I, can I talk to Meredith for a second? And I said, well, yeah. You know, you could have called her on her cell phone. So I went in and I found Meredith, and so Meredith, is stand, we're standing outside. At that time, I had built a swing. You know, that's what you're supposed to do as a good parent, you know, right? You're supposed to build like a swing set. So I had a, I had a monster. I had a killer swing set. Even I could swing on the swing set. That's how good it was. I mean, one of these little chintzy things, you know, it was, it was nice. So I, was, I just sat there while I was watching Meredith, and, she's, and, and her eyes are like this big around. And Meredith comes out and she hands me the phone and she says, Don't you dare mess this up. So you knew it was serious, right? So I get back on the phone and I say, I said, Hey, I said, Hey, I said, Man, what in the world's going on? And she said, Well, she said, Listen, my husband and I um, love you and Meredith, and we want to do something special for you. Oh, well, that's nice. Thank you, you know. And, and she, she said, um, I am. I am. I'm ready to make the final arrangements. We have arranged for you guys to fly to New York City. There there will be a limo that picks you guys up. They'll they'll take you to your hotel where you guys will be staying for the three days that you're there. Uh, We've already arranged um, front row seats for the uh, the Rockettes. We've got this show that you'll see. You you'll eat here and here and here and here's extra. And I'm thinking, well, how you know how are we gonna I mean, it costs money to do something. We're going to provide extra cash for you to do this, and you'll come back on this time. The only thing you got to do is find somebody to babysit with Abigail. And I thought, well, that's a no-brainer, man. I'll just call Steve. (laughs) Steve helped me out. (laughs) And Meredith's standing over the whole time. She's just looking at me like, you better not mess this up. (laughs) You know, as, as great as that was, There's a gift that's greater than that, and it's not just an event, but it's an eternity. Man, it's an eternity. God's goodness and He it far exceeds. He wants not to just change our lives, but He wants to change our destiny. Man, He wants to adopt us into His family and give us an inheritance that will never perish. And never spoil or never, never fade. And, and today, if, if you've never made a decision to trust Christ, man, it would be a great opportunity for you right there where you are. I mean, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to walk in. I'm not going to ask you to do that today. But there's a card in front of you that's, that's this yellow, and, and you can fill out some information. Just put on there, man. Today, I, 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 I made a decision. I want to follow Jesus I want to repent of where, I'm, I'm, where I've been headed and trying to make it work out on my own. And, and, and I want to turn around and I want, to, I want to repent of unbelief and ingratitude and I want to receive Jesus' gift of eternal life. And this morning, listen, right there where you are, you can take out one of those cards and just write on there. And some of you are scared to death because they say, if I do that, then everybody will know that's what I'm doing. Okay? Well, that's okay. It's fine. Do it later if you want to, there's nothing wrong. I'm saying, listen, man, that's a first bold step of saying today, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to make him Lord of my life. Just bring that card to me or put it in one of these boxes as you're leaving out this morning to say today, man, listen, I want to confess my sin. I want to believe and, and believe that Jesus died on the cross to save me, to rescue me, and today I want to trust in that. I believe that, that he is good. I want, I want him to change my life. The second thought is this. Rest in God's goodness when you are encountering adversity. Because as a follower of Christ, you will face adversity. And you're going to face challenges. We all will. And there are going to be some times when you've got to hold my hands up and you've got to say, Sid, look, baby, you've got, to rem- you've got to remember what you've been preaching. Because there are some times that we just want to turn and we want to go the other direction. Let's just be honest. I mean, there's, there's those times when, when man, we're look, we're ready to just turn and run. But we got to remind ourselves that we can rest in his goodness when we face those moments of adversity. Because he is a good father and he cares for us. Remember his goodness. And that even in that, God, even in this, I will trust you. Even when it doesn't make sense, I'm going to hold on. On. The third thought. Not only repent of my unbelief and ingratitude, not only for the believer to be able to rest in God's goodness when I face adversity, but also to risk stepping out on faith. Because listen, when we come to the place of recognizing just how good He is, it brings a boldness and courage inside of our relationship with Jesus, that it gives us the freedom to step out and do some things that normally we wouldn't do because we believe that he is good. Because of my, as my confidence grows, it's easier for me to, to find myself excited about what God is doing and, and the opportunities. I've shared with you my, my, one of the things that God has taught me over the years and he taught me, Early on in the in the days of, of heritage, and I've never forgotten it. I have to remind myself of it many times, and it's those two words. So what? So what? I mean, how many times are the fears that are associated with pride a part of the you know the the what ifs? The, what if this happens or, or what if I, I lose this or what if it doesn't work out this way or what if what if my if my friends walk away or what happens if i happen to lose my house because of, of me taking this risk or, or stepping out and and the thing, man god just said you're an idiot and i was able to trace every every one of those what ifs i was able to trace it back to pride what what others were but didn't have anything to do with god's goodness Nothing. So what? God is good. And if God is for me, if I know that I can trust God, I'm okay. I'm okay. The psalmist said, and I repeat for you again, for the Lord, God is our son, our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing and from those who do what's right. So today, man, listen, repent, turn to Jesus. Number two, go back. Rest in God's goodness in those moments and times when you face adversity. And number three, risk. Risk stepping out on faith because when we come to know God's goodness and experience and believe it and hold on to it, man, it makes a difference. And I don't have to be afraid because my father is good. For the Lord God is our Son and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what's right. And here's some application for you this week. Will you take some moments out in your prayer and in your study time and in your seeking after the Lord to get to know Him better? Will you take some moments just to reflect on God's goodness? Lest we forget. See, we go back to the people of Israel and we we go, man, they were crazy. What were they doing? I mean, they'd seen all these things that God had done and, and they had witnessed it firsthand and yet they turned their backs on him. Why would they do that? And yet how many times do we do the exact same things? We said six years ago when God gave us this building and these facilities, we said, God, let us never forget your hand of goodness. It was goodness. It was the grace of God that blessed us with this building and the sacrificial giving of another group of people. May we be responsible. I don't know if you remember in the early days, uh, we just couldn't do it at that time, but I thought about you know, how can we always remember that? How, what is it that we could set in place that would always remind us of God's goodness? You remember those stones that we gave out, those rocks? I thought to myself in these renovations that are taking place, I wonder now if we'll have a place that we can set up a stone that would always remind us of God's goodness. To never forget that story that we tell our children who tell our children who tell our children because it's easy to forget and we're one generation away. So if you're here today, maybe that's you. You need to repent. Let us know. Man, we want to walk alongside of you in this journey of faith. Maybe you're here and you just need to remember and find rest in those times. Maybe you're here today and you need to take a place of risk. God is good. And he's all good all the time. Regardless of what circumstance you may be facing. I want to pray over you as we go because I want to send you as ambassadors of Jesus to the world. Father, your word speaks to us when we read it. We don't have to explain it. But the Holy Spirit reveals to us in those areas of our lives that are incompetent or incapable of understanding. The Holy Spirit just brings life to your word and all of a sudden it takes root. I'm praying, God, that we would, as a a church family, that we would better understand the goodness of God because when we do, Father, not only are we drawn to you, but Father, we are, we're drawn to live for you in a greater way. I want to be like Moses saying, God, I don't want to go any place without you. Wherever you're not leading, I don't want to go. Show me your goodness. Show me your goodness. I pray this next week as we encounter people, as we encounter you, as we spend personal time getting to know you in the Word, I pray that there will be a, not only a fresh revelation, but a, a, a fresh sense of strength and, and, uh, um, and authority that comes, courage that comes from knowing you. Father, I pray that there would be a boldness that, that comes in our lives, God, that as we speak that others would, would listen, that they would see our lives and Father, that, um, that you would use us as, as an ambassador for you to bring your grace and mercy to this world, hope to this world in which we live that is filled with darkness. For the person that's here today that doesn't know Christ even this morning, would they receive you? For those of us that are here today that need to take that next step, maybe it's baptism, maybe some there are some here that have, that have made decisions to follow Jesus but have not stepped out to be baptized to let the world know Even today, would they come and say, man, Sid, man, I've made a decision, but I've never been baptized. Even today, would they make that decision? We leave this morning as your ambassadors, faithfully seeking to pursue you, to know you better. May we come to know you better because we're pursuing you. May we model change as you're changing us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.